Hello and welcome to On Air with Air Cargo Next. My name is Kathy Robertson and I write a column twice a week for Air Cargo Next, often focused on express, last mile, and freight forwarding. But today we're going to take a different approach here. So with me today, we have Donna Mullins, Vice President of Kale Logistics Solutions. Uh, it's, a, it's a fascinating technology solution. And uh, so first of all, welcome, Donna. Thank you for joining. Yes, thank you very much, Kathy. Um, and if I could just say, although it's uh, spelled like kale, it's pronounced Calais. Uh, and it's better <laughs> for you than kale. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would imagine a number of, um, of airports and, and other uh, recipients of, of y'all's solution will probably agree with you on that. Uh, and, and my apologies, I'm really good at mispronouncing uh, words and such. So before we jump in, Donna, give us an overview of the company. What does it do? What are the benefits and how does it differ than what's already out there? Kale Logistics is uh, headquartered in Mumbai, India, and I opened Kale Info Solutions here in the United States about three years ago. We're an enterprise uh, software solutions company that provides different platforms for the logistics community, all the way from the shipper to the handler, to the port, to the airport, the freight forwarders, uh, and the recipients themselves. So platforms that, that we provide enable cargo efficiency to be improved upon through a single window platform. I, uh, I lovingly call it the ACE of landside move because here in the United <laughs> States, we have uh, ACE, of course, that was implemented under the executive order of President Obama that all government agencies would communicate with the same data being transmitted into a single window. And that's exactly what Kale Platforms does, especially like our airport community systems, our port community systems. The transportation data that is initially entered is used throughout the movement of the shipment. I call our solution blockchain without cryptocurrency. So once the, car, once the data has been entered, all approved trade partners can view the data. If they're not an approved trade partner for the shipment data, then we have seven layers of encryption that prevents them from being able to access or view that data. What makes us different? Um, I think that, that several of the Kale employees have logistics backgrounds, I being one of them. I jokingly say that I am a recovering customs broker because I was a practitioner for a little over 30 years uh, working as a freight forwarder and a customs broker in 3PL business. And, and we bring a logistics knowledge into the technology platform. Many times when you have developers, they're developing code based on how technology works and not necessarily always how the operation needs to be included with it. You're also based in the Atlanta area, same as me, correct? Yes, ma'am. I'm, I'm a Georgia girl. I, I, I tell folks all the time, I'm so Atlantan, I'm a Grady baby. <laughs> well, I feel like I could say I am from the Atlanta area. I, I've been here for over 20 years now. Uh, so, but I'm not a Grady baby. Yeah, that's, that is definitely a title to be proud of. That's for sure. But the Atlanta airport, are they a, a customer or were they testing? 
Uh, yeah. we, we are working in the Atlanta airport arena. Now, um, mm -hmm. um, HJAI themselves are not a direct customer of ours. They are, they are a cheerleader and a proponent of our software. Yeah. We are working right now directly with Swissport in Atlanta with our platform of our airport community system, the truck slot management section, where truckers can book dedicated appointments to go over to the terminal to pick up cargo, meaning that they're not having to go to the marshaling yard and wait two or three hours for a dock assignment uh, to be given to them. They have a dedicated appointment time. They go over and through our geofencing technology, they're able to check in, advise the terminal that they're there for the appointment, the terminal um, system then sends an SMS text message advising the driver what dock to go to. Uh, with the advanced information being sent over to the terminal prior to the truck arriving, the workers there already know what the truck is either bringing or picking up so that they can pre-stage and prepare uh, the cargo or the staff or the equipment to be able to handle the truck effectively and immediately when it arrives, therefore reducing the dwell time. We will also be rolling it out with WFS here in Atlanta in the next couple of months uh, so that they will be using the appointment-based system as well. Oh, wow, okay. So do a lot of airports embrace this type of technology? I mean, it seems to me it's still a little behind. The United States is behind. I, I tell folks that during the pandemic, uh, the technology grew three times like the Grinch's heart, but it needed to grow 30 times. So uh, <laughs> we, we are still very behind in the technology of the land side part of, of the movement. Uh, you know, you still have um, some terminals that are doing manifest receiving on an Excel sheet and a piece of paper. Uh, you, you still have uh, airway bill paper documents being exchanged from forwarders over to ground handlers and airlines. Uh, so, so we are a little bit behind in the technology, but, but we are starting to adapt. And yes, airports um, are really starting to pick up on this. One of the, the hindrances uh, for an airport to be able to implement uh, an airport community system uh, really depends on the municipality and how they're governed. So, for example, if it is um, governed by multiple municipalities, such as the uh, airport in Atlanta is, then it's very difficult to be able to get uh, contractual moves to go into there. But then we have um, airports like Rockford uh, who has signed a contract with us and they are a private entity and they were able to um, enter into a contract to implement our platform for all of uh, the business that we're going into Rockford. Mm, okay. Uh, there is some, some really cool news that came out today. And just as an FYI, we're recording this you know, uh, on March, what, March 22nd. But there was some really good news uh, that came out. There was a, uh, what was it, a, a new land air corridor between India and Bangladesh? Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's powered by Kali Info Solutions platform. Uh, what, what we're able to do implementing our port community systems in various different ports, airports and ocean ports, is we're able to connect those two ports together digitally. So being able to do that means that there is more advanced information sent upstream, as TSA calls it, um, rather than downstream. Um, you know, one of the great things about the digital corridor and the ability to be able to have the advanced shipment information is, as we know, ICS 2.0 is coming up in Europe. And being able to give the digital information 
uh, five, six hours in advance of the cargo arriving to the airport means it makes the FFM uploads easier for the airlines, for the GHAs, um, as well as it gives the advanced data for submitting to the other um, governments that are requiring advanced information, just like we do here in the United States through our ACAS system. Mm, okay. okay. I mean, it, it just sounds to me, y'all's solution is such a no-brainer. What is usually the time, you know, how long does it take to implement from, well, trying to sell it all the way up to implementing it? You know, it, it could be as, as soon as three or four weeks or as long as a, a year or so. It really depends on what implementation is taking place. So for example, if we're doing API um, integration with a particular company, then we have to work through end-to-end -end testing, making sure that the JSON files are exchanged properly, that there's no gaps in the sockets um, when, when the data crosses over. And then if we're just doing what I call static environment, and that means that we're not exchanging electronic information, that can be implemented uh, virtually in, in a week or two, as soon as we know uh, what airlines are being handled by the ground handler and what processes are being taken. Because one of the things that we do is we try to customize um, our, our platform and our port community systems for that port. There's, there's an old saying in the airport industry that if you've seen one airport, you've seen one airport because they're all very different. They all work very differently. So what mm -hmm. we do is we go in and we um, determine the operational processes within each of those ports and each of those uh, entities so that we can make sure that the functionality of our platform absolutely fits within the processes and procedures that are being handled at that particular port. Mm, okay, let's take a step back and um, let's talk about the market for right now. There's a lot of uncertainty in the market. You know, folks are, there are some folks calling for a recession. There's folks calling for inflation to keep going. I'm beginning to see articles talking about another great depression and so on and so forth. The air freight market in general is, is not in the best of shape right now. Not a whole lot of demand for it. But from what you're saying, there, there is a good bit of interest in investing in technology. Do you see that? And how does it compare? How does the U.S. market compare to the European market? Well, again, the, the U.S. market with regards to technology, we're, we're a little bit behind um, and we, we definitely do need to catch up. For some reason here in the U.S., we're, we're, we're very excited to embrace technology and at the same time, we're afraid to embrace technology. So mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of a mindset thing where that we just have to get past, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the fret of cyber attacks. And really, that is probably one of the number one fears within technology uh, arena is cyber attacks. Now, as far as the market itself, I, I think it depends on which publication you read, because I read three this morning. One said that there was going to be a slight increase with um, uh, air freight. One, I saw someone had a 93% increase. And another, I saw that it said, well, there might be a, 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 a another decline in air freight. So- <laughs> I know, um, go figure, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, um, air, air freight is, uh, is, is not in as much demand as it was during, of course, the ocean port backlog, right? I mean, when yeah. there were 100 exactly. vessels sitting off of Los Angeles port uh, waiting to dock, then air freight, one, we were in the middle of a pandemic, so things were being air freighted uh, quite frequently, especially PPE and, and things of that nature that was needed for the pandemic. 
And then secondly, uh, folks weren't able to wait eight months for their freight to arrive at the ocean port. So they were putting it on the, on the airplane and paying astronomical amount of air freight to get in there. So I think, you know, if you look at, at cargo volumes and cargo revenues at, at large, then the air cargo community did very, very well for two years. And in fact, uh, I, I tell folks all the time that um, the, the air cargo moved to being the hero of the air freight world for two years yep. because there were no passengers. The only thing that kept those planes in the air was cargo. And what we're asking for now is that cargo be given more attention. And in fact, if I could take a moment of liberty here to talk about a white paper that I'm involved with, with the Air Forwarders Association and the National Customs Brokers and Forwarders Association. Uh, we're doing a safeguarding uh, air cargo white paper where we're actually going to go to Congress and ask them to dedicate funds and attention to air cargo like it's never been dedicated before because we have seen exactly what air cargo did during the pandemic. There's, mm. there's probably no doubt that there will be another some type of catastrophe, whether it's a pandemic or something else, where that again, air cargo will become the hero because that is going to be the way that, that cargo moves. Even if that air cargo, and this is down the road a while, becomes drone air cargo, but yeah. still going to be moving by air. Exactly. Gosh, that is a fantastic endeavor that y'all are doing. So keep us posted on that white paper. Absolutely, we will. I, I think that is that is great. And yet you're right, firm believer that that whole air cargo, the air freight move were the heroes during the pandemic. And, you know, and as the capacity for air freight came back on, it started to balance out, of course. You know, in your opinion, what is it going to take to get the, the volumes to increase? I mean, are we looking at e-commerce? I know there was so much talk about e-commerce being, you know, the savior for air cargo and such. But to me, it seems like there's more to the story than just e-commerce. There is. And, and I think what's really going to grow air cargo more is air cargo being more efficient. Um, mm. I'll just refer back again to, to the white paper. When we did yeah. our survey, the top five focused areas that we were able to identify that causes cargo delays was automation and technology, airports uh -huh. and infrastructure, staffing and hours of operation, regulatory blockades, and service agreements. So what we did was we took a look at those five things and said, okay, where can every discipline within the air cargo community make some improvements? And, and that's one of the things that we took a look at because um, it's not, what, cargo delays are not created at one location, at one airport, by one entity. It is accumulation of things that create. In fact, IATA says that air cargo, a piece of air cargo spends 85% of its transit time in a warehouse or on the ground. So huh. being able to improve those efficiencies is going to make air cargo more attractive. When you're paying a lot of money to move freight by air, you want it to be available to you quickly and you want mm -hmm. to be able to track it and see that it's coming available to you quickly, like you do with your e-commerce. When you order something on Amazon, you get tracking notifications every 15 minutes about where your shipment is or what's happened to your shipment. The same thing with having technology available for regular old air cargo, I'll call it, and not e-commerce air cargo, being able to know, hey, the freight is available, I can send my truck in to pick it up right now, being able to know that the truck has left the terminal and my cargo is being expedited right away on a dedicated hotshot to my customer. 
those types of efficiencies, I think, is going to make air cargo more attractive. Because when you spend a lot of money to move freight, you want to, one, be able to track it, and two, you want to make sure that it's constantly in move. Oh, definitely. So when is the paper going, is, is the paper completed? Yes, ma'am. The paper is out. You can find it on the AFA website or the NCB FAA website. The paper awesome. is there for, for anyone to view. Um, and, and we uh, are still taking any kind of comments, suggestions, questions, or concerns that anyone might have. We did use a, a membership of 37 different individuals across different disciplines, all the way from consultants to airports, handlers, truckers, brokers, forwarders, uh, people like myself, technology providers. So we did have a very vast base of, of individuals that created and worked on the white paper. Oh, okay, cool. All right, so we'll be sure to include the link to the websites when we post this um, this podcast. For okay, sure. So thanks. Yes, so what am I missing here as far as our, our chat? Um, you know, I, I think we've covered a lot. Um, I, I guess probably... The one thing that I can say that that we really do as a, a an air cargo community need to wrap our heads around is that you know we're moving cargo differently today than we did ten years ago, than we did twenty years ago, and we have to be able to adopt to the technology, to the process changes, and to the efficiencies that are needed in order for air cargo to continue to grow. Makes sense. Okay, so five years from now, what is the uh, market going to look like? You know, I think five years from now, we're going to have a lot more, um, uh, as I said, upstream change, uh, exchange of data so that Mm -hmm. uh, things can be cleared quicker. You know, right now coming into the United States, probably about 80% of the cargo that arrives in the U.S. is cleared customs before it ever lands um, Mm -hmm. on the ground here, therefore making it available and ready to move right away. One of the things also that we pointed out in the, in the white paper, and I'll mention this, and, and that's, that's the staffing at the ground handlers. Um, many airports have public transport that come to the airport, but doesn't actually go out to the cargo terminals themselves. So a lot of times it restricts individuals from being able to get out there, which restricts staffing. So the more technology that you can put in place that can give you uh, business um, in- intelligent reports and um, machine learning, artificial intelligent reports that says, here's when your peak time is. It's going to help the, com- the community to be able to better align resources to handle cargo at the time that the cargo needs to be handled. So um, opening up and understanding that as an international air cargo community, that means that we work a little more than Monday through Friday, eight to five, uh, You know, expanding our operational hours, being willing to work at the same times that the aircraft works and that the air and that the air cargo becomes available or is needed to be available is a a mindset that we're definitely going to have to change as well so i can tell you i've been doing this for close to 40 years and i remember when we first started everyone clocked in at nine o'clock clocked out at five o'clock monday through friday no one ever worked on the weekend as far as the forwarders the truckers and the brokers now the airlines and the handlers were still working because cargo was still moving So we have Mm -hmm. to evolve in our processes and procedures as well. So five years down the road where I see us being more efficient is that we're going to have to make a change to the way we do business today 
in order to keep up with the way business is going to be done in five years from now. Well, that certainly makes sense. Okay, so Donna, thank you so much. Our time is running short here, but I do really want to thank you for uh, for joining us today. And uh, for folks that want to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Oh, they can, uh, my, I'm available by email. Uh, that is Donna.Mullins at CalaisLogistics.com. And uh, I, I like to say that I'm available 24 hours a day, but I prefer not to be called 24 <laughs> hours a day. Um, you can reach me on my cell phone as well, 404-429-6341. And uh, I am an advocate of, of air freight and my air cargo community. I've been doing this uh, ever since right out of high school. So anytime that I can bring a benefit to the community that has been so wonderful to me in my entire career, I'm delighted and excited to do so. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Well, thank you again. And thank you uh, to the listeners for, for joining us today. So again, my name is Kathy Robertson, and this is On Air with Air Cargo Next. Be sure to check out the website at aircargo.next. I mean, aircargonext.com. Sorry about that. Uh, for the latest in the air cargo world, technology and such. So thank you again. 